Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy, who joins us on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline, does Sports Talk Radio out of Houston for Sports Talk 790 as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. And Chris, you've been a busy guy over the weekend, man, but how's everything going? It's good, man. I may have been the only person at uh, Yankee Stadium over the weekend watching live playoff baseball with uh, two tablets going watching SEC football. So, you know, kill two birds with one stone, knock it all out at one time, and uh, busy time of year, but it's fun. Well, let's just start right there with uh, with the Yankees and the Astros. What was that experience like being up there? Um, you know, it's, I've been here a couple times, and, and obviously it's kind of become a little bit of a rivalry between the Astros and the uh, and the Yankees that haven't faced off a handful of times already these last five, six years in the playoffs. But it's been a very one-sided rivalry. It's one that the Astros have largely owned. And what's crazy is, you know, I, I think we expected the Astros to win this series, but I don't know if we were all picking them to sweep the series. I mean, that's how dominant the Astros pitching has been this year, that you know, so far through the postseason they have not lost a game yet. And it's really crazy how uh, how they did it, how they executed it. But, uh, yeah, it, it, for the Yankees to have been back in May, people were talking about, man, they may set a record for most wins in a season. That team with Aaron Judge and the home run race and all that, and Aaron Judge, I think, had one hit in the series, didn't hit a home run at all, like, that just shows how dominant this Astros pitching has been. Well, one thing you can always expect with the Astros, because game four of that series, Astros get behind and they come back to win. So that's something that you know that this team can never be counted out. They get behind the game. And they're always going to make a run and have a chance to win the game regardless. Yeah, and what's crazy about it is, you know, who, who hit that home run to tie the game for them last night is their rookie, Jeremy Pena, who's the shortstop who's replacing Carlos Correa. And I think that's what's been the crazy part about this, guys, is you know, I've been around this Astros team since kind of they started, you know, they, they brought Jose Altuve in and, um, you know, started drafting players like Alex Bregman from LSU and Carlos Gray and all these guys. And we've seen a lot of these big names come and go. Like George Springer left a couple years ago, Correa left, Derek Cole, Zach Greinke, all these big pieces, yet somebody else always steps up. And right now it's been Jeremy Pena. Like I said, their rookie shortstop who's named ALCS MVP, and, uh, you know, it seems like every night somebody else is playing hero for them. So that's what's so impressive and, you know, what they're doing right now. If they, if they don't win the World Series, it'll be disappointing. But just to get to four World Series like they have now is uh, in this short span is, is something that not a lot of teams do. And for people like Astros fans and obviously people who cover Astros and everything, I don't even know if this is something that gets popped up, but does it seem like this one – especially if they win the World Series, will be an even sweeter thing because of all of the, the allegations and the cheating and all that stuff that happened uh, earlier just a few years ago. And now they get back to this point. Will that maybe kind of be a little feather in the cap of a lot of Astros fans saying, hey, see, it doesn't matter if that stuff happened or not. We can st- we're still good enough to go out there and win a World Series. Yeah, I think for those five guys that remain from that team, I think that matters. And if we're talking about it, it's Justin Verlander, Lance McCullers, Jose Altuve, uh, Yuli Gurriel, and Alex Bregman. Uh, those are really the only guys that were on that 2017 team that are still here. Everybody else is gone. So uh, I think for them it does – I think for pride's sake, they do want to win this one, quote-unquote, clean, so they can at least say, look, we're two-time World Series champion. Say what you want about 17, but you can't take away, you know, 2022. I do think that for those guys, 
they want that on the resume for the rest of the team. I mean, they're just trying to they're just trying to win their first World Series for guys like Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez and all these other pieces that have come up big for them. But yeah, I mean, I, I think deep down, if you ask some of these guys, they, they really want that that second ring to add to their resume to kind of justify all the people who want to put an asterisk next to the the 2017 World Series uh, because of the cheating scandal. I think. You know, if they can win this one, it'll it'll kind of take away a lot of doubt. And I think for Jose Altuve too. I mean, I was talking with some of the the you know the longtime baseball writers who, you know, they're very stingy when it comes to Hall of Fame. You know, we've seen Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens and those guys constantly getting left out. Uh, there are some voters who, even though it was proven that that Altuve didn't take part in the cheating scandal, uh, he still has to wear it because he was a part of that team and. And there are some Hall of Fame people who kind of think, yeah, I don't know if I could put him in because he was part of that team. If Altuve wins this one with this team, I think that kind of, like I said, adds to his resume. It might push more people to say, okay, he's a Hall of Famer. How about Dusty Baker getting another crack at the World Series? And how much does that mean and how much is that talked about as far as this team trying to win for Dusty Baker? Oh, it's huge. I mean, he's the oldest manager uh I think Jack McKean from the uh, from the Marlins years ago, uh, he was the oldest. But Dusty will now have, will now be the oldest manager to manage in a World Series this week this weekend, and uh, the whole team really wants to win it for him. I mean, he he was given a great opportunity. Don't get me wrong. When when the team fired AJ Hinch amid you know, the cheating scandal and all that, they uh, you know they, they basically handed the keys to a, to a Ferrari and said, "Hey, just don't wreck it." Dusty's been a, done a fantastic job with it. Um, but yeah, I think they. I think he wants to win. It, it's crazy. We're running through the numbers. You know, when you look at all-time managerial wins, Dusty is the only one among the top eleven that does not have World Series winner on his resume. Every other manager, you know, all-time manager wins in Major League Baseball has won a ring, except for Dusty Baker. So it feels like he's got to win this win. Get that on his resume. Uh, he may end up calling it quits and walk off into the sunset if he gets this on his resume. But yeah. I, they definitely want to win it for Dusty. And that's people I talk to even hate the Astros and, you know, they despise the, the cheating stuff and all that. They say, well, look, I'll root for the Astros just because I'm rooting for Dusty Baker. He's the most likable guy. He's got stories for days. He can tell you about every old-time baseball player back in the day. And it's a fun fact, guys. I just found this out recently. You can Google this and verify this. Dusty Baker invented the high five. So, if anything, that guy needs to win a World Series. <laughs> I didn't know that anything about that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We're speaking with uh, Chris Gordy here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. Uh, Chris, uh, looking at uh, just the World Series matchup with the Phillies, like, how do you feel that there's a matchup? Is this a thing that could go seven games? Do you like one team over the other? Just what's your overall feeling for the matchup itself? Well, the Astros are the favorite, um, you know, kind of as, as they should be. When, when the Dodgers got ousted, the Braves got ousted, you know, they're the best team left standing. But never underestimate a hot, hungry team, and that's what the Phillies are right now. You look at Bryce Harper hitting the big home run, Reese Hoskins, all these different pieces that they have. Uh, that's a that's a scary team. That I mean, a lot of people don't even think we're going to make the postseason at one point. Um, yeah, they actually the Astros played, hosted the Phillies the last regular season uh, series of the of the of the year, and the Astros lost that first game to the Phillies. That that loss clinched a playoff spot for the Phillies. So really, you know, had the Astros maybe swept the Phillies in that series, uh, Philly may not have even made it to the postseason. So, uh, you know, pretty crazy how things work out sometimes. But yeah, we've seen this before, right? I mean, the Braves got got on a heater 
down the backstretch of last season and, you know, beat the Astros in the World Series. We saw it in 2019, the Washington Nationals, uh, you know, rode some dominant pitching from Max Scherzer and other guys, and they won that World Series against the Astros. So, you know, you look at the this Phillies team, and they kind of fit that profile of a team that, you know, gets hot at the right time and got a lot of great hitters. Uh, Bryce Harper, they were saying for years, why would you pay this guy this much money? This is why you pay this guy this much money so he can come through for you in big spots. So, I think it's going to be a very entertaining series. I think the Phillies are going to score some runs. Uh, Astros pitching is, is very has been very dominant, but I think we're going to have some really close games. I think it's going to be a fun series. Well, Justin Verlander is one of those pitchers that continues to impress, and he's probably the big name on the pitching staff. But who are some of those other guys? Lance McCullers, actually, he had a good outing last night also. Yeah, the, the, the guy to keep an eye on is this guy, Fromber Valdez. He, he's been on the team in the last couple of years, and when Justin Verlander was out with, with the Tommy John surgery, Fromber had kind of established himself as the Astros' ace and uh, really has become a dominant pitcher. And so he's kind of their number two, but he'd be anybody else's number one. So you start with Verlander game one. They're probably going to go Fromber Valdez in game two. Then they got a kid named Christian Javier, who has been outstanding. Uh, he's really developed some great stuff. He's been in and out of the bullpen and the rotation, and they've used him in a bunch of different ways. But he was part of that combined no-hitter up at Yankee Stadium during the regular season. And then the other night at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs, you know, he was rolling, rolling along without a hit for several innings. So he's been dominant. I, they're probably going to go with him in game three and probably Lance McCullers game four. But then they got a couple other guys like Luis Garcia who started some playoff games with them. He's really good. They used him out of the bullpen in that 18-inning affair up in Seattle. And then they got another guy named Jose Urquidy, who was a great pitcher all year, but he hasn't even pitched a, uh, an inning yet in the postseason for the Astros. That's how dominant their pitching has been. So, yeah, I would say advantage Astros with the pitching. But like I said, go look up, up and down that Phillies lineup. It's a dangerous, dangerous lineup. But, uh, again, it would not surprise me. I, I think I, if you guys want to get in on some action, I just saw this afternoon, he's a sports book. If you want to – bet the Astros to sweep this series. Keep in mind, they have not lost a game yet in the postseason. Plus 650. That might be worth dropping a hundo or so on and uh, get a little payday if that happens. So with the Phillies, if they are able to have success in this series, you think it's going to be because of their hitting? What What do you see from their pitching uh, on the other side? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've got some good arms. Uh, Aaron Nola is actually a guy uh, – that, that we know pretty well. He was an LSU Tiger, pitched in the SEC, pitched against Arkansas. Um, you know, he's, he's got really good stuff. He's just kind of been up and down um, at times throughout this year. And, uh, you know, pitched, like I referenced that, that regular season uh, finale uh, series. He pitched really well against the Astros in that game. The problem was the Astros were pulling their starters uh, a couple innings in. So I don't know if he can get a good read on that, but he did pitch well. I think it's six and two third innings, something like that, against the Astros. So, uh, Phillies have some good pitching, too. So, yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, the Astros can't sweep. They can because they, they've been on a heater and have not lost a playoff, a playoff game yet this year. But, um, again, I just think I think the Phillies, there's something to be said about riding that wave of momentum. And, you know, I, I'm, I've already booked my flight. I'm going to Philly next week, next week for the, uh, the next couple of series or next couple of games. And I've been told that place is, is just the most hostile environment ever. If you're familiar at all with Philadelphia fans in any sport, uh, they bring it. They uh, they would eat their own child if they have to to win a game. So uh, looking forward to getting them there to Philadelphia and uh, seeing what they have to offer. And that's why I think it's really big, the Astros winning first, too, because if they go up to Philadelphia and a series is tied 1-1, ooh, 
going to be tough to win up there. Speaking with Chris Gordy of uh, Sports Radio down there in Houston as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. So let's talk a little SEC with you, Chris. Uh, not a lot of major games going on, but some intrigue that happened over the weekend. We'll start uh, with the Big 230 game. Ole Miss got smoked by LSU at home. I know you'll know a lot about the LSU football team, but I even thought LSU would win, but I didn't expect them to look as dominant. Was this more about LSU showing how much improvement that they're making over the year, or is it more about Ole Miss kind of getting exposed once they faced a quality team? I think it's all of the above. I mean, we got to start with the, the beginning of that game, how it started. Ole Miss comes out of the gate, score a touchdown, score another touchdown, score a field goal. You blink and it was 17-3 to three Ole Miss. Um, LSU started to get a little momentum, and then even right before the halftime, Ole Miss, you know, took a, you know, held the lead, and it was 20 to 17 at halftime. And you're like, man, this thing's going to be a shootout in the second half. Something happened at halftime where Matt House, LSU's DC, they made some adjustments. They shut out Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in the second half. That I, that does not happen very often against a Lane Kiffin coach team. So that was mighty impressive. But Jaden Daniels has, has been absolutely on fire for LSU. Uh, multiple rushing touchdowns, multiple passing touchdowns. Uh, he just did it two weeks ago against Florida where he had three passing, three rushing. He's the ultimate dual threat, and he's really confident in this, in this uh, offense run by Mike Denbrock right now. Like, uh, this is a, as comfortable as I've seen him, and they're a scary team because they, they got a bye week this week, Bama's on a bye week, and then next week they're going to play each other. And, you know, the, the LSU fans are – they're hyped up right now because they're they did not expect this. You know, they, they thought this was going to be a six and six, seven and five type rebuilding year. Brian Kelly has raised that standard already with uh, a lot of these coach players that he's inherited. And man, I, I just think LSU's in a great spot. Are they going to beat Bama? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, we got two weeks to build up the the hype for this game. But I do know this: in the past, quarterbacks that have given Nick Saban problems are dual threat quarterbacks. Quarterbacks that have that running ability, and Jaden Daniels certainly has that. Uh, we'll see. LSU's going to have to score some points because I think Bryce Young is going to score some points in LSU's defense. But I don't know if you saw them play Mississippi State over the weekend. Bama's offense looks human. You know, Bryce Young kind of looked normal. The run game was non-existent. Jameer Gibbs came crashing down to earth. So, I, look, we've got two weeks to, to hype up the game. But, man, it would not be a bad bet if you want to get in on, on LSU pulling off the upset over Alabama and, and that's crazy to say because it would put LSU in the driver's seat for the SEC West the rest of the way. And I don't know if anybody picked LSU to even you know finish in the top half of the SEC West this year, let alone compete to win it. Well, a team that was picked in that top half of the SEC West, Texas A&M, got some issues going on there. So what's kind of the talk after dropping this latest game to South Carolina? Oh, it's a complete debacle. I mean, when you're Jimbo Fisher and you pride yourself on – quarterback play and you talk about all the quarterbacks he's coached from Jameis Winston to Demarcus Russell and all these guys at EJ Manuel guys that he's got drafted very high now say what you want about their NFL careers a lot of those guys have you know not done much or, or, or flamed out but when you talk about successful college quarterbacks Jimbo has coached a ton of them and man from Max Johnson to Haynes King uh, even their true freshman quarterback Connor Wegman who got in the game the other day it's it's not good and it, it's it's incriminating on the guy who got the number one recruiting class in the country. Started, what, preseason number seven, I want to say they were, in most of the polls before the year. And now here they are, three and four. You're sub-500. Uh, I, I was reading this morning, they, they, they're they going to get UMass, so that'll be their, their fourth uh, uh, win that's guaranteed. But 
the rest of the way, they kind of have to go two and two if they want to get bowl eligible. And, you know, you got some tough teams still in there, Florida and Auburn and teams that are going to put up a fight. So it's crazy to say that a team that was preseason top 10, they're going to need to have some luck on their side if they want to finish six and six and go to a bowl game. So absolutely ridiculous. But for the man who's making $9 million a year for the next decade plus, I think it's 2031 his contract was extended to, uh, it's a joke. And Jimbo's got to make some wholesale changes this offseason. They've already said he needs to give up play calling duties. They have to go out. You know, they got all the money in the world. They can go find the biggest name uh, offensive coordinator and bring him in and uh, and do the play calling because I don't think Jimbo Fisher's going to be calling plays there much longer. So is there any chance that he actually gets fired? I mean, obviously, if they, he goes winless and they go 3-9 and nine on the year, okay. But realistically, is there any chance that he is not coaching Texas A&M next year? I don't think so, but some people have told me, don't underestimate the Aggies with all the money that they have. That if a couple of big money people say, hey, look, we'll eat we'll eat all the money, they'll pay for the buyout, and they'll get rid of it. And it seems crazy with that contract that they just extended him. But, uh, again, that, that, that fan base is starving. Not just hungry, but starving for success. Would not be surprised if uh, at all if they came up with the cash to, to buy him out and get rid of him. Also with uh, with Texas A and M, that you know they're the team that everybody's been kind of looking at as being uh, flying under the radar. But you still got teams like Georgia, teams like Tennessee, and teams like even Alabama uh, trying trying to make some noise. So here in the final stretch of the season, is there a particular team that you feel like is going to stand above all? Is it going to be Georgia? Is it going to be Tennessee? Do you think Bama bounces back? Who do you think stands tall in the SEC? Yeah, I think these next two weeks for Tennessee are, are monstrous. With playing Kentucky this weekend and then uh, and then the game in Athens in two weeks, those are the two that can be uh, find out exactly what Tennessee is. And when Tennessee wins them both, and Josh Eichel's created a monster in Knoxville, and they're going to win the East. They're going to have a chance to go play for an SEC title and, and possibly get to the playoffs and do some damage there. So, um, again, right now I'd still pick Georgia to, to be the team that you know is going to beat them. They're going to be the home favorite in Athens in two weeks, but uh, man, that that game is going to be outstanding. By the way, they're both on the same day. You know, basically, LSU and Bama for the rights to the SEC West, and Georgia versus Tennessee for the rights to the SEC East. So, it's going to be an awesome doubleheader in two weeks, and uh, we'll see what happens when we get there. Also, uh, before I let you get out of here, Chris, real quick, Arkansas is coming off the bye week. They got Auburn this week, and uh, they got. I would say a somewhat favorable schedule. could be a lot worse, but uh, what do you make of the Razorbacks in their final five-game stretch? Yeah, to me, you got to win this one. I mean, Auburn's a, an absolute debacle. They're a mess. Uh, to me, you know, Arkansas, you've had your up and downs, but Brian Harson is, is all but dead man walking still. It sounds like they're going to stick it out and at least let him finish the season. They're going to hire their athletic director and let him make that the, the new coach hire. But, um, yeah, <laughs> This is one if you're Arkansas. I know it's it's not been an ideal season, but you got to beat Auburn. This is one you got to have. Yeah, it's going to be a big one this week. And Arkansas's favorite will see if they actually follow through with it, but should be another great weekend of college football. Well, Chris, we appreciate you joining us as always, man. I know you're a busy man with Astros baseball and SEC football. You're all over the place, but we appreciate you making some time for us today and enjoy the travels and enjoy the week. All right, my man? Anytime, guys. Thanks.